what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry. We are the uh, co-founders and co-directors of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. Chris, how's it going? It's going well. I'm looking forward to talking about our first new film of 2024. Is that the is that true? Is that what that's what we're doing today? I believe so. Yeah, because all the other films we've talked about since been recording since January one have been technically 2023 films. Right. I see. So this is the first one with an actual release date of 2024 that we're reviewing. Interesting. Okay. And that film that Chris is uh, alluding to is the film Drive Away Dolls that we'll be discussing in just a little bit from writer-director Ethan Cohn, uh, one of the two uh, well-known Cohn brothers uh, of, of film lore. We'll be discussing his solo film, uh, both director and writing, along with his spouse, I believe, right? Trisha Cook Correct. Uh, is the writer of the film. So we'll be discussing Drive Away Dolls here in just a moment in our review of that film. Then we'll also get into, I've got a, a movie news item to share, kind of an interesting uh, announcement I heard about a series of projects that I'd like to hear your thoughts on how you feel like this is being approached. Uh, a film on a very famous subject matter that you know you and I are big fans of and be anxious hmm. to see what we think about the new film adaptation idea that they're pitching for this. And then I think you also have a recommendation to share with us today, too. I right? do, yes. A film recommendation, something we can check out. So so we've got a lot to cover. Let's go ahead and jump right into our review, though. It is the film Drive Away Dolls. What? Don't touch it. I saw this movie once where they come across this box. <gasps> and they open the box. The case. And it was, like, really, really bad. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I bet it's locked. I just want to locate your friends. Who are you, jackass? That's when do women curse like that? The Coen brothers entered the collective cinematic consciousness in 1984 with their noir drama, Blood Simple. They'd continue working together over the years and create a oeuvre with hits like Raising Arizona, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, in 2021, Joel Cohen directed his first solo film, The Tragedy of Macbeth, with his wife, Frances McDormand, starring as Lady Macbeth. Now in 2024, Ethan Cohen has made his solo directorial debut with Drive Away Dolls, a film he co-wrote with, as Alan mentioned, his wife, Trisha Cook, who also acted as the film's editor. Drive Away Dolls tells the story of friends Jamie, who just broke up with her girlfriend, and Marion, who is struggling to find ways to connect with others. In search of a fresh start, they embark on a road trip to Florida, unexpectedly crossing paths with a group of inept criminals. Ethan and Trisha have gone on record saying that this film is actually the first in a planned triptych of lesbian B-movie comedies. 
The second entitled Honey Don't is set to begin production sometime in March. What was your experience with Driveway Dolls, Alan? And are you looking forward to a successor, Honey Don't? Um, I, 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 I had fun with this film. Okay. Um, it is <laughs> going into, gosh, this is, this is, this is tricky because I, I, I did ultimately have a fun time with this film. It is not at all what I expected, but I liked what I was delivered and that it's, I think going into it, there's a little bit of the stigma you have with it being a Cone Brother, a Cone Brother film. Mm-hmm. And we saw what, uh, you, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the tragedy of Macbeth was done by by Joel Cone. Right. So it was kind of interesting to see what the other brother did when given a chance to kind of work on his own project. Mm-hmm. And I could not see a film almost as completely opposite of tragedy of Macbeth as this film, almost. <laughs> Which is interesting to see. I guess it kind of just goes to show when they did work together, there was a nice blend. This definitely has the elements of a, the more zany of the Coen Brothers films, which, you know, it definitely echoes and has more of those, those uh, elements to it. it. It never quite hits the highs that I was hoping for. I think there, there are times where I, I wanted this film to really excel and it, and it didn't quite ever find, in my mind, the gumption to get there. But it had a fun premise. It had some fun characters. Um, I generally had a good time with it. I, I'm not. I, I can't sit here and harp on it as, as any like major misgivings with it, other than it did feel like at times it was maybe a little bit of a carbon copy of what we've seen in other films, and kind of pulling some elements from the best of the Coen brothers or the best of a Tarantino film or the best of some other things. It just kind of pulled some elements from it a little bit more than I would have liked to have seen. Wish there would have been a little bit more originality to it. But overall, I think what we got, I had a good time with it and I'm going to go on the positive with this film. Um, but I got a feeling it's pretty divisive. So I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on it, Chris. What did you think of Driveway Dolls? Yeah, I, I, I wish I had a good time with the film, but I did not. Um, and you mentioned in your thoughts that kind of it wasn't exactly what you expected, but that, that was, you know, overall okay. Um, this, having seen the trailer, was not exactly what I expected. And that actually is what hurt the film. Mm -hmm. Um, In the film, kind of like I mentioned in the setup, it's about two girls and they go on this road trip. They, you know, have these interactions with the criminals and they're kind of like running away because, you know, who wants to deal with criminals? Mm -hmm. So I expected that to be a little bit more like kind of not integral, but to be a little bit more of the plot. And that to me was like, no, that was an excuse to make kind of what I said in the intro, a lesbian B film, right? Which not that there's a problem with that, but I just expected there to be more of the, more of a plot. And in, in actuality, it felt to me more like a exploitation film, like a, you know, a lesbian exploitation film, which there's nothing wrong with that. If, if you want to see that, but that's not what I thought this was. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the trailer specifically, I mean, obviously they can't show like a bunch of sex scenes in a trailer, but to me, like there was so much of that in the film that that kind of took away from my enjoyment. Cause I was like, well, okay. But like, I'd rather see something that has a little bit more narrative arc to it. Add to that, um, of our two main characters, we have Margaret Qualley as 
uh, Jamie, and then we have Geraldine Viswanathan as Miriam. Um, I've, I knew of Margaret Qualley. I think I've seen her. She had a bit part in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think she was mm-hmm. one of the Manson girls in that. Um, I, was she also in Poor Things? She was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of her, but I've never really seen her hit center stage. Yeah. Um, well, she definitely did in this. And granted, it's probably, I'm assuming, how her character was written. <laughs> um, but she was operating at an intensity of 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. Yeah. And I found her extremely annoying. And anytime she spoke, I couldn't wait for her to shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really disliked her strongly. And like I said, she's one of the two main people in here. Now, a saving grace was Marion, played by Geraldine Vaswathan. I liked her a lot. Now, granted, she's more of the subdued, mm-hmm. kind of like hemmed-in person who doesn't know how to express herself, which is where Jamie like you know brings her out of her shell. But Geraldine, you know, is still able to communicate Vaswathan through Marion, is still able to communicate humor. And mm-hmm. it was the more of the typical um, kind of dry one-liners that mm. you know I appreciate from the Coen Brothers. Whereas the loud volume of Eleven that you know, Jamie's character was doing, or you know the character of Jamie was doing, was more of the kind of like in a way Holly Hunter in Raising Arizona, except yeah. it was like loud and grating. Whereas Holly Hunter's delivery was rapid but not quite the same. I, I don't know. It's just, well, it's just, you know, look at some of their, some of their characters they've written over the years. I mean, you had the Holly Hunter raising Arizona. You've got the Jennifer Jason Lee from the Hudsucker proxy, just these kind of okay. fast talking brash, you know, very, very loud. And that's definitely, that was, that was the character they wrote for Jamie. Um, I just I, really like, she, ugh, I couldn't wait for her to be quiet. I, and, and Chris, I don't know. I, I, I share some of the same feelings. I do feel like her, her character was a bit, was, uh, was a lot to absorb. And, uh, and I don't know if it's a problem with the writing of the character or the performance that Margaret Qualley gave it. I'm not sure. It's, it's somewhere between the somewhere two, between the two, but it, it doesn't work. I agree with you. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a bit too much. And I, I just feel like it's at times trying to play a Coen Brothers character, but overdoing it. And you know, again, not sure if that's because of how it's written or or the performance given. My bigger issue with the two leads is I I just never felt any connection between the two oh, of them or a chemistry at all. Absolutely so not. It, it, and, and again, you're right. A lot of the film does start to hinge on more of the relationship between the two of them. So obviously you want there to be a good connection. And I never quite felt that at all. I didn't, I don't think the film did a really good job or a great service of giving us any understanding of the nature of their relationship from the beginning and why we should or shouldn't care if they are drawn to each other or not drawn to each other or, or whatever it may be. None of that was really kind of explored. So yeah, it was very slighted in that side. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't buy the relationship because um, <laughs> I obviously was not in love with Jamie's character, and then yeah. I couldn't understand why Marion would want to spend any time with her whatsoever. And actually, uh, the girlfriend that I mentioned that Jamie's character breaks up with, kind of in the opening little bit of the film, Suki, as played mm-hmm. by Beanie Feldstein, she I could actually see a little bit more, like she had more. I, I don't know. The, like they, they actually talked together in a club when they're in a we club. We had a setup for her character. We understood where her character was yeah. and, and, and what her, what her role was. And 
and she played that role, I thought, just fine. So, I, yeah, I liked her her performance. I thought that was in her role. Um, and yeah. there, there's other people in this cast. I mean, it's kind of an actually, you know, to be a B movie, <laughs> um, it's actually kind of a stacked cast. We have Coleman Domingo, Pedro Pascal. Uh, we already mentioned Beanie Feldstein. We have Matt Damon and then a character actor guy who's always awesome when he's on screen, kind of Bill Camp. Um, mm-hmm. He was also in there. So, you know, you got – and. <laughs> If you're going, which they're shown in the trailer, both Pedro Pascal and Matt Damon are shown in the trailer, which you kind of get a feeling because you know this is a lower budget movie that, yeah, their work on this movie probably took half a day of shooting. Very, very, very short. (laughs) Very, very minimal. Um, But just you've got so much of a good cast there that, you know, I feel like, again, kind of of wasted. Yeah. I'm still giving the film an overall general pass because I at least found myself... I at least found myself having a slightly good time while watching it. I know Chris is shaking his head, so we disagree <laughs> on that. I, I, I found enough to feel like it kept my attention, kept me going, kept, uh, but again, it, its flaws are, are pretty evident. And, you know, the more you sit and think about the film afterwards, yeah, it's like, it definitely is, is glowing and more, it, it shines on more of those, those weak spots for sure. Well, um, I think if it didn't, you mentioned, if it didn't have the pedigree of the Cohen name attached to it, I would probably give it more of a pass. Well, you see, I tried because to, because I have an expectation yeah. of like, okay, if this is just a random B movie yeah. put out by someone who maybe can't get the funding or can't get the, you know, can't get the actors involved to make a, a list movie. Yeah then okay, I, I get it. But they have the wherewithal and they chose to go this route. Okay, inter- interesting, interesting thing to do. But I just thought the film suffered. Let me give you another example of how it suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, and she apparently, um, Trisha Cook, has acted as an editor on some other Coen Brothers movies. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is her first editing job. Yeah. Um, she's actually a filmmaker in her own right who also writes stuff. So, um, But she was listed as the editor on this. They do this odd in the very beginning, kind of like what you would assume kind of like an eighties movie where they do these like jerky transitions of like the picture sliding over another one clunking into pace, just like the whole picture itself. They do these odd transitions that I guess are to try to give it a little bit of comedic comedic tone. Mm -hmm. And, but those totally drop away. And actually then it shifts to these really out of place makes no sense lava lamp tie-dye transitions, especially with the film taking place in 1999. Or it starts off, it always ends in 1999, but it starts off in Philadelphia and then they make the road trip to Florida. So it's just like, I didn't get it. And then at the very end, there's kind of tying in a little bit of the Matt Damon, you finally see Matt Damon, and you get a sense of like, okay, that makes sense for that one transition, but the other three or four that were used, and it was like, and they weren't just like quick just to get from one scene to the other. It was like this experiential mm-hmm. uh, tie-dye drug trip that made no sense because nobody in the film was having a drug trip. No, it was, and they were, they were longer than they needed to be just to kind of maybe give the film some extra runtime because this was, thankfully, blissfully short at 84 minutes, so they didn't overstay their welcome, but it was like some of the transition time, my wife who saw the film with me kind of leaned over and was like, what is going on? I'm like, uh, I'm not really sure. You know? <laughs> and then at the end, I was like, okay, I guess you could use that as an excuse, but it doesn't really work. It, it just it just doesn't really work, period. <laughs> it didn't really work for me. 
So, well, you mentioned about expectations and I honestly tried really hard going in to like distinct extinguish any expectations. I mean, again, I don't want to judge a film just because the last name of one of the director and just assume that, okay, well it has to be a certain caliber and level. If it's not, I'm going to be disappointed. So I guess maybe me going in, clearing those expectations, say, all right, we'll just, let's just see on the film on its own merit. I, 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 I walked away. Okay. With it, but there are definitely issues. There are definitely problems. Um, the transitional things didn't, didn't bother me. I mean, I thought they were a little over, overindulgent at times, but did you understand the different two different classes of them? The tie dye ones versus the image transitions. Like, did you understand why they, why well, the, they the, used the more of the, or just didn't stick with one the whole way through Yeah, the whole sixties kind of flashback transitions. I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of picked up on where that was heading. Yeah. I, I want to get to suggestive or graphic with my description, but there were, there, they're definitely in those scenes, those, those psychedelic kind of flashback scenes. Uh, there's some, people in those scenes and actions they're performing that I'm like, okay, I, I totally get what's happening now. This is because again, it's a little bit of these, some things happening in the past that come up uh, and become part of the plot point in the present. It does take the end of the film to kind of get to that point and say, see it all together, but it worked okay for me. I just thought they were a little indulgent, but again, you're right. A little is an hour, 24 (laughs) minutes. I mean, it was a pretty short film to begin with already. I feel like 20 of those minutes were the transitions, but Um, you know, yeah, they could have been, they could have been. So something else, like I was just surprised. And there again, I mean, I can't help not know that this is Ethan Cook. It's like, you know, expectations. I knew this wasn't supposed to be, their next Oscar film. You know, I knew it was kind of like something he was doing as a side project, just like tragedy and Macbeth. Um, that, that said dropping the thread, which I didn't really understand other than it's supposed to be like, I guess a joke. Um, but it could have been better developed was the whole uh, reading of Henry James. Mm. Uh, Marion's character is reading Henry James book. Okay. Coleman Domingo is shown at one point reading Henry James book. So that seems like, okay, there's guy and he's, you know, one of the bad guys. So you're like, okay, that's somehow going to be like a funny joke or a, a point of, you know, commonality between the, no, just totally dropped except for at the very end, which I really didn't understand. Uh, there's a kind of end of credits gag where they like change the title of the movie. And it's like Henry James's drive away dykes instead of drive away dolls. And I'm like, Okay. And that, that's the payoff for that joke. Just very haphazard and not, in my opinion, uh, very well thought through something else I don't get other than they wouldn't have had a problem achieving an R rating with this film (laughs) because of like all the sex scenes. But, um, in the very beginning they do some, as you kind of alluded to some Quentin Tarantino over the top violence that is just kind of dumb. Um, someone, and I'm not spoiling anything cause this happens in the very opening, opening mm-hmm. seconds of the movie. Uh, someone gets a corkscrew stuck in his neck, then a pin jabbed in his neck and then is decapitated. Okay. You know, okay. I'm not really sure. Like, and if violence is going to play a thread throughout the movie, then okay. You're establishing this like over the top, you know, Tarantino level of violence, but then that's kind of dropped. And not only that, but the fact that the person's decapitated and they keep his head around, like what was the point in that? There's no point 
because that is one of the items that is in the trunk of the car that the girls have that are in the car driving down to Florida. But that doesn't really matter. Now, the other case that they have, which is kind of another allusion to like a Tarantino type film or one of those noir films where you never really know what's in the case and they keep Mm -hmm. everything in it. Okay. But the head, like it doesn't mean anything. Like it doesn't, it doesn't serve any purpose. It's just there to, again, just things that were just frustrating for me because it seems like it could have been developed or could have worked a little harder on making it make sense or have a point and it just didn't. So, hmm. okay. <laughs> so obviously I am a lot lower yeah. on the film than you are. It sounds like you at least give it a pass. And actually, honestly, I was thinking, what would I rate? You know, we usually do leave uh, ratings yeah. on letterbox. What would I rate this film? Definitely not a three. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means it struggles between the two and the one. And I think I'd probably give it a one and a half, which wow. is probably one of the lower ratings. It is. I've given a film in a long uh-huh. time. So. I, I and, and believe me, I'm not. I am not here to say that your opinion or anybody's opinion on this is. It's it's all your your own personal take on the sure. film. So, I, I I think there was more to this to enjoy than there was to hate. But I will accept that the film had some it did have some flaws. I do wonder how much of perception is is based on expectation. Well, sure. A little bit of that, which again, trying to, I'm trying to set that aside and say, I I think, I think, I think it was enjoyable enough. Look, I'll tell you this, as many flaws as the film may have and how not every part of it worked for me. And I had issues with what what part of it did work for you. I'm curious because I know, I know you're, and it's fine. You know, you're, we're differing, but like, was there, if you didn't like the relationship between Marion and Jamie, well, and, I didn't like their relationship towards one another, but okay. I did enjoy the situations they would find themselves in. I, I enjoyed the the premise of they're driving down to Florida to do the road trip. Okay. And along the way, they're finding all of the lesbian bars that they can go and hit along the way, which it's kind of a fun little idea. And there were some fun moments, I thought, in some of those encounters and some of those drop-ins as well. Okay. Yeah. When it didn't feel like it needed to fit into this crime uh, the crime uh, drama, you know, uh, 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 plot line. It just let the two characters be characters and we got to see their dynamics. It's a little bit of an odd couple situation that kind of played for most of it. And that part of it worked okay for me. Where it didn't work is when we're expected to believe that the two of them actually have a deeper relationship than what we see. And that, that I never and you And that. it sounds like, yeah, I'm not forgiving of that. And you're more forgiving of that. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, can, I can see like the road trip aspect. The road trip part yeah, I okay. enjoyed. And okay. there were some fun moments, I thought, with the, the dumb criminals. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a typical Cone Brothers. Like these are the idiot criminals that, you know, are kind of... Uh, some of their banter, some of their situations, I thought, were kind of amusing and fun. Um, I don't know. I, I, there was enough. Look, I'll say this. The film, the film might have won me over barely just pushed me over the edge to say like, <laughs> I'm going to be okay with this. Okay. And it is a scene with, uh, um, major list, a star, uh, um, um, uh, what's his name? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Okay. Uh, towards the end of the film, there's a confrontation that happens. There's a trading of you know money and items to share and just the little short little bit that Matt Damon has to say about the contents of that suitcase and commenting on that I did think was one of the funniest things I've heard in a while so I'm like <laughs> all right that that 
kind of got me over. If the whole point of this film was to get to that scene, hmm. to deliver this suitcase to this politician and let him make a, a very heartfelt, dramatic speech about the people that that suitcase represents, like I, that was worth it for me. <laughs> so that was, that was a fun moment. I, yeah, it's I appreciated a long, that. It's a long way to get, it's 80 minutes to get to one joke. And yeah, yeah his, yeah, that, it could have been two and a half one, hours, but it was, it was true. 80 minutes that's to get true. there. I'm like, it was, and that, that was, I did laugh at that. But by that point I was so worn down by, yeah. uh, Margaret Qualley's Jamie <laughs> that I was like, Ugh. yeah, she yeah. was like, she was like, a middle school band playing in my ear every time she spoke that was out oh, of yeah. tune and couldn't like, didn't know what they were doing well, I mean, and never look, played a song. Like that's I mean, what that was like for me. I mean, so. but that's also how she's supposed to be now. Right. now I just whether or not, it, yeah, whether yeah. or not it, it was a little overdone, which I think it might've been, um, which maybe that's also the point. I just found it really grating. Yeah. So interesting. Well, <laughs> Look, I I think there's I think there's enough here for a relatively decent fun time. It is not a great movie. It is it is definitely got flaws. It's it's it doesn't cohesively work the way you would want it to. But I found enough there to find some some level of enjoyment. It's a two and a half three star for me. It's not a okay. It's not a high rated one. It's just kind of middle of the ground for me. But it sounds like you definitely had a a a lesser experience yes. with the film. So I think that's fair. Understandably. And I get it. I totally do. I'm like, I, I <laughs> if somebody says they hate this film, I'm like, yep, I get it. <laughs> it's like, I, it. I get it. Right. It is not a film that uh, in, is going to be endearing to everybody. It's, it's a, very much a hit or miss uh, because of the complete dichotomy of different tones and things thrown at you and the lead character, whether you can embrace her or not. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could cause people not to like this film. So I'll, I'll close out my thoughts on this. I'm interested. I don't know if I want to see it or not, but it sounds like you would be more willing to give the, the next film, honey, don't in this trilogy, a chance, something that makes me feel like, okay, maybe the first one didn't work. Maybe the second one will work better for me. But in theory, and this movie starts shooting this month in March, um, in theory, Margaret Qualley is also scheduled to be in that film as well. So are they, I don't know. Is it going to be like following her story for three movies or like, or is this just a different, you know, like, or creating like a little kind of mini universe of of this. Right. And there's just characters that pop into each one. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, maybe if they use her again, maybe they'll, well, yeah, maybe they'll figure out how to, how to settle, how to get her character a little better defined. Uh, yeah, another thing I realized it was a, a problem with her character is I never really got a sense of a tone of, of, of or, or who exactly she was. Part of that is because she's always putting on a big act and kind of a big, big, big show. But there's also times where like, you know, she's seems incredibly foolhardy and kind of brave in a weird way and like willing to take all these risks. Hmm. But then there'll be other moments where something happens and they've got her shrieking like, you know, like a. <laughs> Like a teenage girl, like, you know, just over, it's like over extremes in different directions, her character. And I think that probably did not help the, per, the way you know, viewers are perceiving her in the film. Right. Because again, we just never really kind of grab a hold of exactly who she is. Right. We see her as an extreme vivacious personality and very, you know, always up on stage, always performing, always this. And then we see her very scared and very meek and very other times too. And it's just, it was a, it was a weird mixture and it, and it didn't settle her character very well. I don't think so. Anyway, just another little bit on that. The, the film definitely has some things to work through. Uh, if they're going to continue this kind of 
storyline for sure. So, all right. Well, that is drive away dolls. Um, again, kind of a little bit of a mixed reaction from us here, but, uh, uh, neither one of us saying we love this film at all. Chris kind of just, I don't want to say, I mean, you never want to use the word hate. Hate's a, hate's a strong word. You are, you were, you dislike this film. I dislike this film. Yeah. I wouldn't say I hated it. You dislike this film. I, I, I this found film. it passable, uh, entertainment and, and enjoyed elements of it enough to sit through the 84 minute running time. So I'll <laughs> say that. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Now let's uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we've got news items to cover or a, a news item, but it's a news item about four film projects. Okay. Leave it at that. And uh, then Chris is going to have a recommendation of a film that may want to check out. So stay tuned for Foot Candle Films coming back in just a minute. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Alan Jackson and Chris Fry with you. Uh, you know, during the little short break here, we just explored more about driveway dolls. And I think I convinced Chris to like it now. Did I, conv- <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, we're still, uh, still a little split on that. But um, always, always kind of fun when we have some differing opinions. Sure. Uh, especially we saw that film in the theater at the same time, just on opposite ends of the theater. So there's no way to gauge each other's reaction to the film. Right. Which is always, I think, the way you got to do it. So sure. it's good. All right, Chris, I do want to share with you a kind of our movie news segment. I wish we had like little segment intros for each of these. We mm. never got around to actually doing any, but you know, we do news almost every week. So sure. kind of felt like we need something, but whatever. I'm not going to try to sing anything or do any kind of jingle for it. Just <laughs> well, that's, know this is that's our, disappointing. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I led that. Uh, I built that up and then I let you down. Uh, so this is our movie news segment. Uh, Chris, I have a interesting story. Don't know if you've heard it or not. I I think you're going to tell me about they've decided to make uh you know four movies about Slinky and that's an IP that I've always been fascinated. No, oh right, I have right. No idea. Yeah, yeah, you knew that. Yeah, <laughs> Barbie is such a big hit. Now they're taking every every possible toy. Toy. And it. No, no, uh, not quite. Okay. Um. So, the Beatles. You're familiar with them? Yes. They are a band. In case anybody's not aware. <laughs> Um, they did rather well. They did pretty good. Pretty good for themselves. Uh, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, the four Beatles uh, of that band. So uh, there have been some movies made about the Beatles in a kind of offhanded way. Never a direct right. like, Beatles Backbeat movie. is one of the ones Backbeat I'm Backbeat is of. one, and that kind of covered early, early, early days right. of the Beatles. Uh, there was one about John Lennon that was, uh, was it Nowhere, Nowhere Boy? Or, yes, or Nowhere Man. Or, Nowhere yeah, Man, yeah, nowhere, yeah. yeah. That was kind of all about John Lennon, you right. know, focused on him. Um, but other than that, we really haven't had anything. I mean, they've been featured in movies, sure. you know, like parts of movies, like historical films that th- the Beatles play a part in it. Or but like in, uh, the altered history yesterday that was kind of like, what yes. if somebody else had okay. written their songs? That's yeah. a good one too. Sure. But never an actual biopic of the Beatles. Gotcha. So Chris, what if I told you that we're not going to get just one. We're going to get four. And the they're going to be making, it's been announced, director Sam Mendes, 
Okay. American Beauty guy. American Beauty. He also did uh, two of the uh, Daniel Craig's uh, James Bond films, Skyfall and Spectre. He did 1917. I think that was... uh, Oh, Empire of of Light was his most recent film. Okay. That we did. Which we discussed on the show, I think. I I liked it. I I generally like his films. Um, Sure. I can't say I really love any of them, but I do like them. I think he's a good director. Skyfall... Think is the best James Bond movie oh, ever absolutely. made. So Although Spectre, the second one he did was not so great. True, um, <laughs> but uh, Sam Mendes is going to be making four movies, one for each of the Beatles members. As much as I like the Beatles, I just went to see the Cirque du Soleil show in Vegas. Yeah. Love that the Beatles music is used mm-hmm. in. I, I like the Beatles. I don't know if four movies. Um, that, that seems a little, that seems a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, here's my issue. Okay. So basically that, oh, let me set this up a little bit more. Sure. So it's going to be four movies, one for each of the four characters and, and four, four members. It's going to be a biopic of that, that member. And the idea is that they're going to, all four of them will kind of obviously blend together in a way that if you watch them like as a series, they're all going to kind of be in parallel track with one another. And then they're going to all culminate with the 1970s when they broke up, when, when they kind of ended the band. Oh, wow. So they're so all going to kind of it's culminate. It's not just going to do their, their like being alone. And then when they get in the Beatles, that's where the film ends. No, you're saying it's actually going to track all the oh, way. Yeah. Oh, man. but it's all going to be from their own perspective. I, I got, that seems even tougher because by the time you get to, I wonder if they'll do it in the order. Everybody says their names, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. So Ringo will be the last, maybe, I don't know what order they'll do it in. But by the time you get to that fourth time, you're seeing the commonality point. I would think that would be kind of brutal. So I kind of feel sorry for whoever's that fourth movie because you're like, okay, okay, now we're in the Beatles part. Like, even though I get it, it's from the perspective, but still. I think uh, you could pull it off. I mean, I think there, I I kind of understand the idea because all four of them are going to have different perspectives, different experiences along the way. Sure. But obviously they all had some uh, common touch points in their career where all four of them were very much involved in, in what was happening. So yeah, I could see building to this 1970 point. So you're watching these biographies of all four and they all kind of come together at the end. My issue is Paul McCartney is a producer. Ringo Starr no, is a producer. No, no. It, my, my issue is that Sam Mendes has already been tapped to do all four. And I'm like, okay. Uh, okay, now that, okay, yeah. Because yeah. my thing is like, all right, well, what if the first one sucks? <laughs> and, you know, what if it's just no good? And then all of a sudden now we've got to like go through three more because you got to have to do it. Like you got to do all four if you're going to do it this way. And you don't want to like do a Paul first and then be like, okay, well, nobody liked this film. It was horrible. We're scrapping the other three. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to do it. You got to do all four. Now, uh, I was reading through Variety. Um, Owen Gleiberman, uh, writer for Variety, actually was writing an article about this. He's like, okay. when, when did Sam Mendes earn the right to direct four Beatles biopics? <laughs> Which I think is kind of funny. Not just A, but it's like, when did he all earn four. the right to do all four? But okay. he actually, he gave a scenario, a kind of like a fantastical scenario of like, what if it was four Beatles biopics, each one directed by a different director mm. kind of with their own spin on that particular character. Like Boz Lorman doing what well, he threw out, like it just as an example, he's like, what if it was, you know, let, uh, Linklater, Scorsese, Greta Gerwig, Todd Haynes, like 
each of those get to direct their own take on a character that they, a, a member that they want to most associate with. And see, that would be fascinating because Haynes is into music. Scorsese has done a George Harrison yeah. uh, documentary. So right. that, that, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, there's definitely reasons that he chose those four yeah, directors. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and when I start to think about that, I'm like, okay, now that's, that's something. I would mm-hmm. totally do that because even if it's like, okay, I don't like, Linklater's uh, George uh, biography movie. <laughs> sure. But Greta Gerwig's Ringo is coming up and I am <laughs> so excited for that. You know, it's like that would work. But, yeah. and you could totally make it work. Have all four directors say, look, you can tell your biopic of this person. It just has to end here mm-hmm. at this point. So all four films kind of end at the same spot. Like do anything you want to do up to that point, but it just has to come to that spot. That would be fascinating. I would love that, but that's not what they're doing. Sam Mendes sure. gets to do all four. And nothing against Sam Mendes. He's a good director, but right. I'm just, I haven't seen him do anything that makes me think a, bi- a Beatles biopic is like a perfect fit for him to do. And to go ahead and entrust four yeah, it's a lot. of like, you know, what we could argue is the greatest musical group of all time. And these four musicians, you kind of want this to be the biography of these four, like, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot to put on and trust in one person. And it's a big gamble, I think too. So I, I, I agree. The thing, um, I, yeah, very nervous about it, but you know, I, I love the Beatles. So I'm excited to see what ends up happening. Um, even though it is for, I will say, um, one of the reasons we haven't really had, you know, something come out about the Beatles. That's kind of what we're talking about. Like we've never had something exactly like this or even a biopic of just the Beatles and have it be that way is they're very protective of their legacy. Mm-hmm. The two surviving Beatles, Ringo and Paul, they're very protective. And I remember when the Cirque du Soleil show I was mentioning, Love got made in Las Vegas. It was like, it was a big deal because they had to license all the music. And Paul McCartney read on record and saying like, I don't want people to just use the Beatles music. It has to be something, you know, truly unique that you're kind of like even changing the way we think about things. Like it has to be, it has to be a big deal. So when he, like, they gave him kind of the idea and they showed him out and he's like, okay, you have the blessing. You may do this now. So the fact that this is what we're getting, I just think maybe the reason we are getting for, and the reason that Sam Mendes, maybe he has some, maybe he like pitched an idea is like, here's why, here's what I want to do. I want to do for, this is why I want to, and like, they're like, okay, well, let me, I get it. I'll, I'll I'll back you up on that. So yes. Um, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and the families of the late John Lennon and George Harrison have all four granted full life story okay. and music rights. So uh, you don't have to worry about any issues with not being able to use certain music or tracks or whatever. Got you. Full rights, all signed off. Okay. Now, whether they signed off because it's Sam Mendes or they had already signed off to the project, but the producers are putting together, and now Sam Mendes is tapped as director, I don't know. But... That is a comforting thing that they are all for all four uh, estates are on board and like willing to give full rights to do this. It makes me think, okay, there is a plan. Right. And they feel good about it, but. And see there again, that the whole, like making something a unique, Mm -hmm. that was why they got, uh, Danny Boyle got passed off for yesterday because he's like, okay, here's the idea. Beatles saying, I need to use the music, but what if they didn't write them? And they're like, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're like, that's unique enough that yes, we'll give you, we'll give you rights to it. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but it, I agree with you. Four seems like a lot. And what if you really don't like the first one? Well, I was, I was going to say, <laughs> so, they're releasing all four films right now, theatrically in the same year. 
Really? 2027. Gee whiz. They're going to work for the next three years on these films. Wow. Plans are Sony Pictures is uh, financing and distributing them, releasing them all in 2027. So they're doing concurrent filming. I I, I would assume so. Or it's a one large shoot. Right. I mean, you got to think that there's probably some value in that. They're going to have some consistent sets and consistent right. places where right. it's like, okay, now we're going to shoot from Ringo's perspective this air, this scene. Now we're going to shoot from George's perspective. So it's like doing so the Lord some of the Rings some, movies all yeah, the same. There's some yeah, shared yeah. Okay. resources, I'm sure, doing it all. And that may be one of the values in doing it with the single director, too, is that it kind of makes the films a little bit more budget conscious. Is that, okay, right. we have a master plan of how we're going to film all four characters' stories. There's going to be, you know, certain percentage of the film that is the same scenes or the same sets or locations across all four. We're just shooting it from a different person's perspective in their story. Sure. And that I, there's yeah. some interest there. Okay. Yeah. There's some things that could be interesting. It's I, either going to go off like gangbusters or I think it's going to be bad, but hopefully yeah. I, I hope for it to be good. Cause I do like the Beatles and I always want movies to do well, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Did, so you know that they're all going to be released within the same year, 2027. That's the plan right now, yes. The plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know the release order. No. Okay. I, that that really is fascinating to me because uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Well, the studio has only been quoted as saying is that, you know, they say details about the release plans will be shared later. Okay. But the studio promises the strategy will be, quote, innovative and groundbreaking. Well, I mean, there itself, releasing four films uh, three months apart from each other, if that's what they're doing throughout the year, <laughs> that all share the same story, just different person's perspectives okay, on them. What if? That is kind of innovative. What we'll if? See. Yeah. What if, mm-hmm. you know, the first date you go to see the movie, but all it's called is the Beatles and you don't know which Beatle it's going to focus on until you go oh. in and sit down and watch it. Okay. Now, granted, after you sit down and watch it, you're like, okay, I just saw John's story. And then everybody will get the word out. Okay, this first one's on John. But what if the first, like, somehow they make it a secret, like they try to no, do with, like, the crying game, where they're like, okay, you don't know whose story. Now, granted, by the time you get to the fourth one, duh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, got Ring, one. we got Ringo in December. We know that. So. <laughs> we're, we're, we're good. We know that. So what if that's, a, I think that would actually be kind of cool. Okay, you actually I could see know. that. I could see that. So it'd be a big surprise element. So, yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm. Curious about the approach they're taking. Yeah. I'm I'm just a bit concerned that they've already tapped the one director to do all four. I mean, not even like Star Wars movies tap the same director like way in advance to go ahead and do all three, four movies. I mean, they right. you always kind of have to play and see, is this going to work? So it's a little nerve wracking, but I guess the idea is they rip the bandaid. They say, we're going to release them all in the same year. If the and first we're going to shoot them all at the same time. Yeah, so so, if people so hate the first one. Well, we got, no, we got nine more months to suffer through putting these films <laughs> out, you know, for people to deal with. So. And they probably, I guess, also bank on, which they're probably right. There's enough Beatles fandom that are diehard. Oh. They'll even go hate watch it. I No, <laughs> so. look, these things will be hits no matter okay. what. The first one will be a monster hit. Well, yeah, because so many people Then it sure. just depends on how good that first one is as to whether the other three are also good. This could be a huge, a, a big deal. This could be a big, big thing for a year of 2027 where these become four of the biggest grossing movies in a single year oh, of the same wow, series. Yeah. That could be crazy. And it's possible. I mean, look, I'm going to go see it. I'll yeah. go see all four of them in the year. Think That's about how, how hard it's going to be for the four main leads 
they're all going to be in competition for the Oscar that year. If, they're, if <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, you're right. So <laughs> no, that's crazy. I am <laughs> because I can't that, imagine like, I mean, yeah, at least one of them, I would think of the four films would get nominated, but how about if two of like, that's going to be because they're each going to have their own movie where they're yeah. the focus. Well, wow. that's assuming it comes out exactly within the calendar. True. Year, not true, like true, one true. spills over to the next year right. or whatever. Right. Right. Um, I don't know. We've got a lot of musical biopics happening right now for better or for worse. Right. Uh, Bob Marley's film came out a couple weeks ago. It actually has done better than expected box office wise and held up. You know, we had Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, um, mm-hmm. a year or two ago. Um, Antoine Fuqua is uh, working on Michael Jackson's story into a feature film. I was not aware of that. Yep. Okay. We have the Amy Winehouse biopic coming out soon with Black Back in Black. We talked, I think, about Ridley Scott doing the Bee Gees movie. Well, that we talked <laughs> we about did. last week or two. Right. Um, there's a lot happening in the music side. I mean, there always has been, but it seems like it might be a little bit more going on the next two to three years hmm. in musical biopics. And I'm of I'm of mixed emotions on that. I love a good musical biopic, but I'm always very disappointed when one just kind of paints by numbers and does the expected and it, it doesn't work. So um, hmm. we will see. We will definitely see Sam Mendes directing all four Beatles movies. That's okay. crazy. So Chris, uh, with that, I know that's, we're like several years out from that. So why don't you tell us about a film that's available now that we could watch a recommendation you want to give to us on this episode? Sure. So I'm going to recommend a film that looked at young women struggling with their sexual identity and being uh, not accepted as lesbians that worked better for me and was a comedy that came out in 2023. It is Bottoms starring Rachel Sennett and Io Edebiri, and it was directed by Emma Seligman. And the story is these girls are in high school and they decide to start a fight club as a way to lose their virginities to cheerleaders. The fight club gains traction and soon the most popular girls in school are beating each other up in the name of self-defense. But the pair find themselves in over their heads and in need of a way out before their plan is exposed. Not a perfect movie, um, but um, like, you know, I, I rated it three stars, but it is enjoyable. It was funny. And it is from, you know, a different perspective than normal a high school teenage sex comedy is from. Um, and the two leads, you know, in a, um, Rachel Sennett and Io Edaberry, they're, they're, they're great. And I wish the first 20 or 30 minutes for me was really, really strong. And then it kind of, once the plot got kind of going, it kind of fell off a little bit. But um, they are quite the comedic duo. I think they are friends as well. They may have been like roommates in college or something like that. They're definitely like good friends. Um, and I think that kind of shows in like their chemistry and how they're comfortable with one another and stuff. Um, plus the the bottoms had some really odd, um, like kind of surreal things. There's like the football players are always in uniform, like mm-hmm. even during the school day. Like they're just every day, they're just always uh, in funny. uniform. Like so that. they're like little touches. There's one football player guy who's like rabid and is kept in a cage at the back of a classroom, like just really random things that are okay. that are funny. I like that. Um, so bottoms, it's uh, available on Amazon Prime. Plus, you can stream it there for free if you have Amazon Prime. But then you can rent it all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. So that is a film that worked much better for me. That was a comedy. Uh, bottoms. So okay, well, good. So Chris, I appreciate what you did in this episode. You tore down a film that uh, you did not like, <laughs> yes. and I completely understand why. And uh, 
But you replaced it. Yes. At the end of the episode with a recommendation of one you felt like worked better. Yeah. It was more enjoyable. Absolutely. That's good. That's a, it's kind of a, you're balancing the scales of film criticism here, which Trying is great. To. So I mean, that's good. You take one down, you put one back in. So <laughs> right. I think that's a, that's a good move for you there. So, all right. So that is our episode. We had our review of drive away dolls. We talked about the Beatles biopic movies coming out in 2027 and Chris's recommendation of the film bottoms bottoms just came out last year. I mean, it was yeah. just like late, uh, latter half of 2023. I believe so. I think it came out. All right, cool. All right. Well, Chris, if anybody has any thoughts, feedback, recommendations on anything we talked about or just wants to chat with us about what we're discussing, do you have ideas on who should play uh, the four Beatles in these four biopic movies? That's another thing we got to get into at some point. The casting. A little speculation on casting. Anyway, uh, how do people get a hold of us if they want to talk about any of these things? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm, Facebook, footcandlefilm society, Instagram and threads. We're both on there just simply as footcandlefilm. Alan and I do keep accounts on Letterboxd where we try to track what we're seeing and leave quick takes sometimes. Do us a favor. If you like the show, consider giving us a star rating, write a review, or share with friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcast on because it'll help us reach new listeners, which we'd appreciate. Yeah, sounds great. All right, well, thanks so much for listening today, and we will look forward to talking to you guys next time in another week or so when we have another film to review and some more news and recommendations to share. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Taller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Taller, visit www.carpaltaller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.